This year, we will be exploring the process of Psak Halacha. Specifically, we will be examining the factors that poskim, halachic authorities, take into account when they formulate halachic positions. Now, one cannot formulate a list of rules by which one can simply follow them and become a posaic. As Ray J. David Bleich has written, Psak Halacha is both a science and an art. It's a science in the sense that we expect objectivity from poskim when they examine the halachic evidence in front of them, just like we do of a scientist. However, it is also an art. As he writes, halachic decision-making is indeed an art as well as a science. Its kunst lies precisely in the ability to make judgment calls in evaluating citations, precedents, arguments, etc. It is not sufficient for a halachic decisor to have a full command of relevant sources. If so, in theory at least, the decisor par excellence would be a computer rather than a person. The decisor must have a keen understanding of the underlying principles and postulates of halacha, as well as of their applicable ramifications, and must be capable of applying them with fidelity to matters placed before him. No amount of book learning can compensate for inadequacy in what may be termed the artistic component. As Roy Bleich notes, simply having enough information, and maybe even a list of rules, is not enough to make someone a posake. In order to become a posake, one must be familiar with the corpus of halachic literature as well as had exposure to actual poskim to watch the way in which all the factors and all the information come together in the formulation of a, of a halachic decision. What we will be attempting to do this year is at least examine some of the factors that poskim bring into the conversation to understand the ways in which those, those conclusions are reached even if one cannot, will not be able to predict the exact conclusions that any given POSIG, nor the consensus of POSGIM, will come to on any given issue. The Ramban, in his introduction to Muhammad Hashem, the safer he wrote to defend Rabbi Skalfasi, the Rif, from the critiques of the Balamor, Rabbi Zerachia HaLevi, notes that halacha is not like mathematics. In math, there is one right answer. In halacha, or indeed in any analysis of a legal topic, the best we can hope for is plausibility. As he writes, and this translation is taken from Rabbi Chaim Angel, anyone who studies our Talmud knows that the arguments between its interpreters do not have absolute proofs. It's not like mathematics. Rather, we must exert all of our efforts in every debate to push aside one of the views with compelling logical arguments and consider most likely the view that fits the smooth reading of the text and its parallels along with good logic. This is the best we can do, and the attempt of every wise and God-fearing person studying the wisdom of the Talmud. As he notes, the process of studying halacha, Jewish law, is one of finding the most plausible understanding of the halacha and answer to every question. However, one can never be sure that this is the right answer because that's not the nature of law. In law, we search for plausibility and have no way of proving with 100% certitude that the answer is a certain way. What we will attempt to do is at least understand the factors that Postkin bring into the conversation when attempting to formulate the most plausible view and the one that under normal circumstances that posake will follow. It seems that there are three main factors that every posake takes into account when he is deciding a, a halachic question. The first is the independent analysis of canonical sources. Every posake is beholden 
to the canonical sources of halacha. Therefore, when he approaches a sugya, the first thing he does is examine the texts, the key primary texts of halacha, attempts to understand them, attempts to understand the halakha that emerges from them based on the best of his understanding within that sugya, and based on that, he formulates a halachic position. The second thing he does is he examines precedent. Specifically, he looks at what previous poskim, previous halachic authorities have said when they analyzed this sugya, when they analyzed this halachic question. The third thing he will consider is custom. What do people do? What have poskim done? What have Jewish communities who are committed to halacha, what have they done? And what does that indicate should be the proper understanding of this sugya, the proper understanding of this halachic question? Now, while those three factors seem simple enough, they are in fact infinitely complicated, and that for many reasons. One is that each of these questions has many sub-questions in terms of what counts. What counts as a canonical source? What counts as precedent? What counts as custom? The second problem that a posseg will face when formulating a halachic position is that while every posseg brings these three factors into the conversation, the relative weight that is given to each of these factors is different depending on the posseg. Let's begin with the second set of problems, the second set of issues, the relative weight. As I said, every posaic agrees that one must give weight to the analysis of the posaic in the primary sugya, in the primary sources of the halacha. They also agree that it is important to look at what previous poskim have said. They also care about what people have actually done and how halacha has been lived throughout the generations. However, certain poskim will almost always follow their understanding of, let's say, precedent. And they will look at the majority of poskim as they understand it, what they have said in a sugya, and will formulate their halakhic position in light of the weight of the, of the evidence, specifically the evidence of precedent. Now, poskim like that will often rule in accordance with what they understand to be the majority view, even if they personally would understand the sugya differently. To take a modern example, Rebbe Vadi Yosef, in most of his halachic decisions, attempts to rule in accordance with the majority. Therefore, if one opens a Yabiya Omeri Chavadat, one will see... Then in every halachic question, Rabbi Yosef will quote hundreds, if not thousands of sources and attempt to figure out what the consensus view is based on those poskim. Parenthetically, in his case, he does give extra weight to the vision of the Beit Yosef, but that's a discussion for another time. Um, to move back in time, this model is essentially the model of the Beit Yosef. Rabbi Yosef Karo, who wrote Shulchan Aruch, and before that he wrote his encyclopedic commentary on the tour of the Beit Yosef, is primarily a precedent posik. In his Hakdamat Beit Yosef, he notes that in every sugya, he does analyze the primary sources, the Gemara and the like, 
However, when formulating his halachic position, for most halachic decisions, he writes that what he did was he took the three major poskim that he viewed as most authoritative, the Rif, Rabbi Zagalfasi, the Rambam, Rav Moshe ben Maimon, and the Rush, Reb Asher, Rabbeinu Asher, he took their decisions on each halachic question, and assuming all three of those poskim weighed in on a given halachic decision, he ruled in accordance with the majority of the three, with two out of three. Now he does note that sometimes those poskim did not weigh in, and sometimes he took into account other poskim, and he gives you a list of 30, 40 sources that he brought into the conversation when formulating his halachic position. But without getting to the details, what is clear from his general argument is that the most weight given in, a, in the formulation of halachic position is that given to precedent. And under normal circumstances, Rabbi Yosef Karo ruled in accordance with the majority of the precedent he saw in the three postkim he considered the most authoritative. That's an example of a posaic who gave the most weight to precedent. However, as we noted, he also gave weight to other things. And if one reads through his introduction, one will see that in addition to precedent, he also attempted to understand the sugya independently, and he also attempted to gauge the minhag, attempted to gauge the custom of those communities that kept halacha. And sometimes the factors of, inde- of his independent analysis of the sugya or the prevalent custom, if they contradicted the view of the Rif, the Rambam, and the Rash, sometimes he might rule in accordance with those other two factors. Therefore, he notes that all three of these factors are part of his decision-making process. However, the factor that he gave the most weight to was that of precedent. Others gave more weight to custom. So, for example, if one looks at the introduction of the Darke Moshe, Ramosha Israelis, who was the primary Ashkenazi posek, who wrote comments on the Shulchan Aruch, and one examines his critiques of the Shulchan Aruch, one sees a posek who gives more weight to Minhag than he does to precedent, at least in a certain sense. He has several critiques of the Beit Yosef. One of which is inconsistency, noting that while the Beit Yosef claims to have made halachic decisions based on the majority of three of the Rif, the Ramam, and the Rush, he does not in fact always do that. But in his primary critique, he notes that the Beit Yosef's approach to halacha ignored the Ashkenazi tradition. Specifically, the Ashkenazi tradition took into account Minhag, and therefore he writes that he incorporates into his psaq the minhagim that are recorded in the various compilations of customs that were written in Ashkenaz. Just to read one line, he writes, Based on his, the Beit Yosef's psaq, which is based purely on the precedent of the Rif, the Ramam, and the Rush, he contradicted the lived halachic practice in Ashkenaz, in the communities to which the Ramah felt that he was writing. Therefore, he felt compelled to write his Haggah, to write his comments on the Shulchan Aruch and the Darkei Moshe as a response to the Beit Yosef 
to incorporate the minhagim of Ashkenaz that reflected a halachic decision-making process that gave more weight to the lived practice of halacha than did the Beit Yosef. So there we have two models. The model of the Beit Yosef that while taking to account both independent analysis of the sugya and minhag gave the most weight to the third factor, that of precedent, that of how did previous halachic authorities understand the halachic issue in question. The Ramah, Ramosha Israelis, also took all three factors into account, but gave them gave more weight to that of minhag, of custom, of lived halachic practice. The third factor, independent, the independent analysis of canonical sources, was, pri- was the primary factor taken into account by Shlomo Luria when he wrote the Yam Shol Shlomo. So basically contemporaneous with the writing of Shulchan Aruch and the comments of the Ramah, or the Beit Yosef and the Darkei Moshe, Shlomo Luria wrote a commentary, a halachic commentary, on the Gemara called the Yam Shol Shlomo. Now in the first volume that he wrote, which was on Bavakama, in his introduction, he notes that his view of halachic decision-making is very different from those taken by the writers of halachic codes, both the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah. In fact, he actually attacks not just his contemporaries, but an earlier halachic code, namely that of the Rambam. And he writes that he opposed the process of codification because the process of codification implies that one authority can make the halachic decisions for everybody else. Instead, he writes, the best way for a halachic decision to be made is for each individual posseik to approach the sugya, to approach the halachic issue independently and attempt to understand the sources as he sees them and paskin accordingly. Therefore, if one reads Nakdamat to Yam Shoshlomo, he writes that his hero, his halachic hero, as it were, was not the Rambam, but was rather the Baliatosvot. Because the Baliatosvot did not write halachic codes. Instead, what they did was they took Shas, they took the entirety of the Talmud, and brought it into conversation with itself, such that every relevant passage that might weigh in on a halachic decision, on a halachic question, on each given sugya, they would bring the parallel sources and attempt to generate a halachic position that was true to all sources found in the Talmud. And this process by which one takes the unwieldy sources of the Talmud and tries to bring them together so at least the posaic will have in front of them every relevant source for the Yamshel Shlomo, that process was more important than merely collecting precedent or noting the relevant custom because it allowed the Poseik independent access to the canonical sources and therefore he would be able to formulate his own halachic position based on the way that he understood the sugya. So again, there are three factors that I think every posseik brings into conversation when formulating halachic position. His independent analysis of the canonical sources, his understanding of how previous halachic th- authorities have ruled on this topic, namely how the precedents play out, 
And the question of custom. How has the halachic community actually practiced halacha? And while all of the three poskim that we've just mentioned agreed that these factors are relevant, they disagreed on the relative weight given to each of these sources. The Yamsho Shlomo, Rav Shlomo Luria, gave the most weight to the independent analysis of canonical sources, and for that reason opposed the entire enterprise of codification, which implies that one can generate a particular psaq that will bind everyone. The Beit Yosef, in formulating his code, felt that the most authoritative position for everyone should be that reflected by the majority of poskim, which he felt could be determined by choosing three major poskim and then ruling in accordance with the majority of them, at least in cases where all three of them weighed in. And then the Ramah, who thought that that was insufficient and one was required to look at the minhagim, to look at the customs of halachic communities, look at records of customs of previous halachic communities, and give that more weight, even if it didn't fit the technical even if it didn't fit with the precedent-based model of Psaq, he thought more weight should be given to custom. And if one follows through the history of halachic interpretation, one will find that while pretty much all postskim will bring all of these three factors to bear on the formulation of halachic position, the exact weight that they'll give will be different. And you will find postkim who, like Rishlomaluria, will give more weight to their own analysis of the sugya. Those poskim who like the Beit Yosef, like Rabbi Yosef Kara, will give more weight to precedent, to what previous halachic authorities have said. And those poskim who like Ramosha Israelis will give more weight to custom. For example, the tradition following the Gra, the Vilna Gaon, tends to give more weight to the independent analysis of canonical sources. In the 20th century, if one examines the true vote of the Igrot Moshe, of Ramosha Israelis, of Ramosha Feinstein, rather, one will see that often his halachic decisions emerge primarily from his independent analysis of the Gemara and the Rishonim. Of course, often he will take into account the view of later authorities as well, specifically of Shulchan Aruch and the Nosei Kelim. But one reads his Shuvot, one often gets the feeling that the primary factor in his halachic decision-making was the way he understood the Gemara. Similarly, one sometimes gets this feeling when reading the Chazanish, who, in a divergence from much, uh, much of previous halachic writing, at least for the last 500 years, did not write his halachic commentary on Shulchan Aruch, but rather wrote halachic essays which begin from the Gemara, and then under, attempt to understand the Rishonim and the Halachic tradition based on he, how he understood it, and he rules accordingly. As we mentioned at the beginning, an example of a modern posek who attempts to follow the model of Rabbi Yosef Karo and give the most weight to precedent would be Rabbi Vadi Yosef, who in every tshuva attempts to explore the entire gamut of halachic authorities that wrote on a topic and attempts to generate the majority view based on that. As noted before, he does give extra weight to the Beit Yosef for a host of reasons, among them that he feels the Beit Yosef himself followed this model and therefore his view does not merely reflect 
a singular position or a single position, but rather reflects a view of a majority and therefore has more weight than the view of other post-game. However, however one wants to understand the combination of factors in Rovadia's Psak, it is clear that Rovadia's safe gives more weight to precedent than he does to the other two factors of Psak. When one examines modern Hasidish Psak, one often finds that the most weight is given to custom. Uh, for example, if one explores the codes written by Rev. Gavriel Zinner, the Nite Gavriel, one will see that pages and pages, even volumes, are written recording customs, recording minhagim, and that is often the most important factor when he formulates halachic position. Now, as we noted, in addition to the complexity of weighing these three factors, even understanding what these three factors actually mean is quite complicated. Now, we will not explore that all now, and we will explore these questions later this year. But just to give you an idea of the complexity involved, let me throw out a few issues. As we said, one of the factors in PSAC is the independent analysis of canonical sources. But what does that mean? Every POSAIC will agree that that includes the Talmud Bavli. But they will disagree about the weight given, if at all, to the Yerushalmi, to the Tosefta, to the Sifravs, to the Sifrei, to other sources from Chazal. There is also disputes in Poskim as to whether one can formulate halachic positions based on an independent understanding of the Psukim, even if the way one understands the Pasuk was not understood that way or was not explicitly addressed in the Gemara. Does that have halachic weight? What about Kabbalah? Is Kabbalah a factor in Psak? Is the Zohar a factor in Psak? Is it considered canonical because of its attribution to Rishim by Yochai? What about Agadah? Right? Even if one understands that the, Tal- the Talmud Bavli is clearly a canonical source, is that only the halachic material in it, or is it the Agadic material as well? Each of these questions is subject to a machloket, thereby complicating what even counts as a canonical source. Similarly, within the factor of precedent. Now, one might think that's easy. Precedent merely requires us to understand what did previous postkims say on an issue. However, it's not that simple because there are different traditions. Do I care about the Ashkenazi postkim or the Svarti postkim? Does that even matter? Do I care about Rishonim or Achronim? Do I give more weight to earlier authorities or later authorities? Do I attempt to merely count the authorities and count Rove? How would I count majority of postkim? Is the majority of postkim who've written? The majority of postkim who've said anything on the topic? Do I count teachers and students as two separate authorities when counting up the the number of postkim under discussion? Or do I say that because a student presumably learned his position from his teacher, they count as one? All these issues complicate the question of what does it even look like to generate a halachic position based on precedent. The third issue, that of custom, is also complicated because there are many types of customs. There are customs of places, there are customs of communities and families, there are customs of poskim. How did halachic authorities rule in a particular place? There's also, as, as Dr. Chaim Salavechik has noted, a difference between what he calls minhag and nohag. 
a difference of what people do, and again, the custom of poskim, the customs of halachic authorities. In the modern world, it's been more complicated because while the primary categories of minhag found in the Gemara are those of minhag makom, in a globalized world, many people maintain the minhagim of their edah, of their ethnic community, from where they came or their grandparents came. Where does that come from? What weight is given to that? All these questions will be explored later in the year. I mention them now simply to note that in addition to the problem of how much weight does one give to the three main factors of Psak, the independent analysis of the sources, the precedent, what did previous postcom say on this question, and the question of custom, in addition to the problem of weighing those three factors, one must also contend with the issue that none of those issues are simply open and shut, and figuring out what counts as precedent, what counts as canonical sources, and what counts as custom is also complicated. Now, once a posek has solved these issues and has generated the most plausible psak based on these three major factors, there are two things that the posek must do before he can formulate a halachic position. One is assess the mitziyut, assess the reality. Now, this is complicated for a variety of reasons. One is that the process that we've outlined until now simply allows the posseik to determine what he thinks the halachic answer should be if a particular question is asked. However, when determining the question that needs to be asked, it is not always clear the issue that is actually central to the halachic question. Ray Bleich, in the same piece that we referred to before, notes that one of the most complicated parts of psak is what he calls issue spotting. When a halachic question is posed, to even get to the process that we just spoke about, of figuring out what should be the most plausible psak, one must figure out what is the halachic question even being asked, which complicates matters. Even if one has managed to issue spot, and then figure out the halachic issues at hand, and generate a plausible psak based on the three factors that we've discussed, he then must apply that psak to the reality. But determining the reality is not always easy. Sometimes it is. Sometimes, in a basic uh, kosher's case, one can look at it and say, well, non-kosher food fell into this pot of kosher food. Is there 60 times the kosher food as the non-kosher food? If there is, then it is kosher. If not, not. Sometimes it's that simple, but usually that's not the case. Sometimes one must deal with things that are difficult to determine, such as medical facts. Every posig will agree that if someone's life is in danger on Yom Kippur, one is permitted to eat. However, how does one decide whether someone's life is in danger? Does he ask the patient? Does he ask a doctor? And if so, which doctor? The the rabbi's doctor? The patient's doctor? Does he allow the patient to choose his own doctor and then consult with the doctor? Even assessing the reality and figuring out which reality to apply the theoretical halachic position to is not that easy. As complicated as this is in, for example, medical cases, it gets even more complicated in political questions. For example, 
If one explores the literature on the Machlokot about land for peace, whether it's permitted to trade land for peace, one of the central issues that Postkim dealt with there was, even if one thinks that one can trade land to save lives, who is responsible for determining whether a given political or security situation is one that warrants the trading of land? Is it the Poseik? Is it the politician? Is it the general? Is it the consensus of generals? This example should act to provide just a perspective on why even the question of how one applies the halachic, um, the halachic evidence to reality, even if one knows the, the theoretical halachic decision one would make, applying it is equally difficult. The next problem that we will spend much time this year exploring is the question of extenuating circumstances. While everything I've said is true for a normal halachic decision, one of the principles found often in Psaq is the notion that bishat hatchak, in extenuating circumstances, it is legitimate to rely on minority positions or at least halachic positions that under normal circumstances one would not rely on. In order to apply this, one must both understand why is it legitimate to change the way one would paskin, one would rule based on extenuating circumstances, and two is to figure out what factors qualify as extenuating circumstances such that one is allowed to rely on, shall we say, less plausible halachic positions um, than he would normally. Does monetary loss count? What about human dignity? Chilul Hashem? Etc. This brief overview should act as an introduction for what we're attempting to do this year. What we're trying to do this year is explore the factors that Postkim bring to bear when formulating halachic position. And as we've said, I think that every postsake takes all these factors into account. Analyzing the canonical sources himself and figuring out what he thinks the halacha should be, looking at what previous Postkim have said about this issue, determining what the custom has been of the halachic community, taking that to generate a plausible psaq, and then attempting to apply that to reality, and then determining whether this particular question requires not a normal halachic psaq, but requires using the dispensations that are inherent in the halachic, in, in the halachic system under extenuating circumstances. Every halachic decision can basically be described as a posig attempting to balancing all the factors that we've discussed. What we will attempt to do this year is analyze the individual questions that we've asked. What counts as precedent? What counts as canonical sources? What counts as custom? What is legitimate as an extenuating circumstance? Why and how exactly does that affect the way we poskin? And how do we take all of this material and then apply it to reality to determine halachic position, a halachic answer to a halachic question? Those questions are the questions that we will explore this year. And we will ret- return to the specific questions in the coming weeks.